www.disneytimepodcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Time Podcast. I'm your host, Micah, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Nelson. Hello. And Rissa. Hello. How's it going today, guys? Good. Uh, doing all right. How about yourself? Uh, doing well, doing well. Still at home, been at home. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same old, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not like we could do that much anyway. <laughs> yeah, not, not until, uh, you know things get safer and uh, an actual vaccine gets released <laughs> that's true yes yes so yeah we have a packed episode for you listeners out there we're actually gonna break it up this um this series into a series here uh gonna be approximately three episodes we'll see where we go but we're going to be unpacking the pixar theory so uh rissa care to explain the pixar theory to our listeners or just you know like a high level Sure. So the brief overview of the Pixar theory was in 2013, John Negroni, the author of the Pixar theory, was playing around with the idea that every Pixar movie is connected after he watched a video on Crack.com. He came up with the basic connection that has since grown and stretched as more movies were released. But with every subsequent movie and various feedback from different sources, the theory has evolved and taken a life of its own essentially uh but one constant has remained and that's brave being the p- pivotal connecting movie of the entire pixar theory that's uh very interesting there <laughs> so um nelson you want to let us know the list of the, the movies and you know that were in the original 2013 theory here yeah so it's um essentially a list of all the pixar movies from conception like as in the first pixar movie of uh, toy story all the way to the movie that came out in 2013 which was monsters university so full list here being toy story a bug's life toy story 2 monsters inc finding nemo the incredibles cars ratatouille wally up Toy Story 3, Cars 2, Brave, and then finally Monsters University. All right. So we're going to be unpacking the theory, and it's going to start with the movie that connects it all, like like Rissa mentioned. It's going to start with Brave. And I believe the reason why he started with this is because it takes place, obviously, in the 14th to 15th century. So um, let's let's look into this now. So it starts with, with Merida. And she discovered the will of the wisps, and and they are their magic. So the magic turns uh, her mother into a bear, and the magic is why animals and inanimate objects like the brooms and the tools they they act like humans. And it was also utilized by a witch who mysteriously vanishes through wooden doors. Uh, eventually, the magic of the will of the wisps would lead to the birth of superheroes. So that leads to the next movie. And uh, Rissa was that. Uh, that would be The Incredibles. And as we know, The Incredibles is set between the 1950s and the 1960s. In this movie, superheroes maintain order in the world. But Buddy, who we know as Syndrome, is a wannabe superhero. And he creates two things for the demise of superpowered humans. 
uh, self-serving AI bots like the Omnidroid and the high-tech zero-point energy, which is known as electromagnetic energy that exists in a vacuum. This is a pivotal moment because we see machines eradicating their only threat, and that's supers. Eventually, toys start to absorb and draw their powers from zero-point energy, unseen energy that travels in wavelengths. So in this part of the theory, in the early 2013 conception of the theory, it's this zero-point energy that is controlling and transforming, and uh, toys are, are starting to absorb it. So essentially, it's the zero-point energy that's giving inanimate objects life. Right. Which leads to the next movie. And uh, Nelson, you want to go into that? So the next uh, movie in this timeline would be Toy Story, the first one. So the first signs of life could be seen in toys now due to that uh, zero-point energy from Syndrome's technology. So... Toys, now being sentient objects, can come up with a code of rules and learn that human love is another energy source upon which, you know, they thrive as well. So these toys discover what happens to toys that are isolated from humans. And uh, this also then leads into the following sequel, which would be Toy Story 2. All right. So Toy Story 2 in 1999 uh, the toys, they, they discover that it's dangerous for them to be isolated from the humans. Uh, we see that the inanimate objects, they question their purpose in life. Uh, like Jessie, she starts resenting her owner, Emily, because Emily abandoned her. If you remember that part of the movie, she the, very sad scene, very sad scene. Um, that it wasn't only carried by inan- inanimate objects, but it was also that that um, resentment was also carried by the animals which would uh, lead to the the next movie. Rissa, you want to go over that one? Yeah, so Finding Nemo is actually, they maintain it being its release date in 2003. In the ocean, we find that fish are incredibly advanced. Not only do they have schools within their own species, but they also have a network and a freeway system, which is odd for fish, in our normal world. We discover that humans are polluting the earth and experimenting on these fish. Dory, in this original theory, was one of the animals that was experimented on, which is why she's forgetful. There are signs of resentment growing towards humans for polluting the environment, stealing fish, and caging them. So animals begin to be more curious, and they tend to carry more humanistic characteristics. So keep in mind that in this original theory, Finding Dory was not released yet, so that's why in this theory she's considered as one of the experimented animals. But as we know in Finding Dory, she's actually forgetful from being born in the Marine Life Institute. Is that what it was? Yeah, so it's like yeah. a kind of like a, an aquarium. Yeah, so she was born that way. But in this original theory, it's she's experimented on. All right, which leads to the next movie, Nelson. Uh, you want to go over that one? This uh, movie in question would be Ratatouille, taking place in 2007. In Ratatouille, uh, Remy discovers his love for cooking and displays more human characteristics. Uh, some of them being like he prefers to walk on his hind paws. Um, he cleans his hands. He's actually can read. And obviously in, from the movie, he has a growing passion for cooking. So this is the first time we see um, a personal interaction between human and animals being, um, I already forget his name, Linguini? Yeah, Linguini. We see that Remy's uh, rat clan also doesn't approve 
of uh, the humans and also feels both fear and hate towards them. So again, more humanistic characteristics. Yeah. So then we move back to the toys because uh, three years later after Ratatouille, Toy Story 3 came out and uh, we see that they've gone through a lot with humans. If you remember the movie, it took place when Andy was going off to college. So he had grown quite a bit. So it, it was a few years already since that Toy Story 2. You can tell if you watch the movie why <laughs> why most of the toys have had it. They're, they're usually, they, they were abused physically and emotionally by humans, especially like if you look at the daycare, Sunnyside, it's like they were getting abused by the little kids. Yeah, when it was like recess, they would go and run and hide, so. Right, exactly. Then you see Lotso, he straight up, he just, he doesn't like humans. He hates them because they use the, and then discard the toy objects like they're nothing. That's what happened to Lotso. Like they, they lost the Lotso and then they bought a new Lotso. So then he tries to take care of his own kind. And it's another reason why machines and objects are ready to take over. Here's where it kind of connects to uh, the next movie on here. Carl and Ellie, they write to Andy telling him to get rid of his toys because they know the animosity between toys and humans is coming ahead. And that's why they're planning to live in solitude in the rainforest, basically. So you'll see evidence of this piece of information. Uh, there's an Easter egg postcard written to Andy from Carl and Ellie. Uh, that that leads us to the next movie. Uh, Rissa, want to explain this one? Yeah, so the next movie's Up. But before I move to Up, one of the interesting things about this connection is we already know that Carl and Ellie don't have kids. So I don't really know exactly where they would have met Andy since they're geographically not in the same spot. But needless to say, it's connected in the Pixar theory through this one Easter egg. So in Up, this is set in 2011 to 2016. Carl is forced to give up his house to a corporation who we're saying it's by and large B&L, but in the actual movie, we don't know if that's the corporation because they're expanding the city. So this is foreshadowing because the corporation is the cause for polluting the earth and wiping out life in the distant future as a result of technology overreach. Carl discovers that animals can communicate with humans and sees the bitterness that they have. Charles Muntz effectively trains an army of dogs, and this is the start of the tipping point between animals and humans. Years later, the uprising between humans and animals begins. And who do you think actually won that war? The machines. The machines, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that takes us to the the next movie. Nelson, you want to go into that? Yeah, so this is where the machines have now inhabiting the planet in the form of cars. This is estimated to take place in between 2100 to 2200. When animals rose up against the humans to stop the pollution, the machines actually saved the humans and they won the war. However, since machines helped the humans win, it tipped the balance on Earth. So the machine slash, um, by and large, Um, had to send the remaining humans off into space uh, on the Axiom. All of the other machines were left behind to populate the the world and run things. But how do we know Cars took over Earth and not another planet? Yeah, so that's where uh, Cars 2 comes into play, the sequel. So again, it takes place between 2100 and 2200. In Cars 2, the Cars, they go to Europe and Japan, and that shows that it's the same planet as all the other Pixar movies. 
it also shows that there are no humans throughout the world. The world is in an energy crisis because oil is the only energy used for cars. And now, all in all, corporation, they were using uh, green energy as a catalyst for a fuel war in order to turn cars away from alternative energy sources. So you actually do see this in the, the movie. The villain, he faked that he was converted into an electric car, but he, he was actually not. He still, he still had an engine. The clean fuel could have been used to swiftly wipe out many of the cars because they would have all had to convert to some sort of other electric energy or another type of energy. All in all was run by, by and large, which eventually polluted the whole earth due to the use of oil. Then the world becomes unfit to sustain life. And, you know, that would lead to the next movie. Rissa, you want to go over that? Yeah. So the next movie in this theory is WALL-E and it's set in this theory in 2800 to 2900. So as we know in WALL-E, the Earth has become uninhabitable for hundreds of years due to, by and large, the corporation that took over all the world and the governments starting in the 1950s. Uh, so their influence was back when The Incredibles was. WALL-E is the only machine left on Earth after it ran out of resources. He survived because he is fascinated with human culture. And he also had a friendship with a cockroach, which helped maintain his personality and fulfillment, which links back to the inanimate object influence that we see in Toy Story. So robots and machines on the Axiom, having left Earth er centuries earlier, show that machines develop a sense of purpose out of a human's dependence on them. So it's kind of like a codependency. In this theory, Wally is sort of a robot Jesus, and he and his love the appropriately named Eve, save the human race and start a new beginning on Earth again. During the credits of Wally, we see a sh the shoe that contains the last plant life grow into a mighty tree. Yeah, so that, that would lead to the, the next movie. Nelson, you want to go through that one? Yeah, so this same plant that Rissa just uh, mentioned, it has a very suspicious uh, same resemblance as the big tree from a bug's life insects in this uh, from this movie they have a much longer lifespan than um than what we know because um you know as a i guess a realistic fact here ants have a an average lifespan of about three months but if you recall back to the actual movie one ant references like being feel like oh i feel like 90 again <laughs> an ant lives to be 90 years old like wow okay so, yeah, that's a good indicator that the ants are, you know, have become sturdier as a result of evolution and possibly even just mutated genes from the fallout. Uh, another ant tells Flick not to leave the island because there's snakes, birds, and bigger bugs out there. And, I mean, there's, those are the, the reasons not to go. Humans were nowhere, like, the, not even a mention, not even a thought. So, it's, um... Reasonable to think or reasonable to believe that there's probably not many humans around, which is the case at the end of uh, the, the Wally movie. So later on in the distant future, animals um, start evolving into their own dominant species as well. Which would lead us to the, the next movie, uh, Monsters University. According to the theory, it takes place um, from the years 4500 to 5000. Hundreds of, of years after Wally, 
animals started changing because of the radiation caused by by and large. So the animals evolved into mon monsters and accidentally wiped humans off the face of the planet. Monsters University was founded in 1313. This is dated using the monsters calendar, not the human calendar. And it shows that it took place almost 1400 years after a bug's life. At Monsters University, they falsely taught the monsters that humans were toxic and from another dimension. And this is because the monsters were worried about being erased from existence and altering history. I, I, I guess that had to do with because they were going through doors to see the humans or scare the humans. All right, Rissa, and the, the next movie? The next movie is Monsters, Inc. So monsters and machines didn't realize their mistake of getting rid of humans until it was too late. They eventually realized that humans were the source of energy and they were needed to sustain life. So machines helped solve that by letting monsters use doors to time travel to the human generations. And this leads us to Boo. Yeah, so Nelson, you want to explain Boo? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, Boo, she is the, like, a, a, a vital player here. And um, this sweet little Boo never got to see Sully again after, you know, he leaves her from the first, or from the end of the movie on Monsters, Inc. So, she becomes obsessed with about trying to find out where, what happened to him? Like, where did he go? And just wants to try and find him again. So she remembered that doors are likely the key to finding Sully. So later on in her life, she somehow figures out how to time travel using wooden doors. And it's not really clear how, but finally does actually go back and finds that um, magic would be the source. And this magic would be referencing back to Brave, which would be in for the Will of Wisps. And uh, created magic to find Sully by using the wood. So most of the doors that you see from Monsters, Inc., they're all wooden doors. One big piece of evidence that we have is because Boo leaves evidence in Brave. There's two carvings, one being of Sully, like it's a picture of Sully, and actual the actual pizza truck that is technically in every Pixar movie, but... Since, you know, the time frame for Brave that's in the, you know, 1400s, like, there's no way a pizza truck, how would she know what, what that is unless she's seen one? Right. So that leads us to believe that, yeah, she found a way to time travel. So in this theory, essentially, Boo is the witch. Yes. Yeah, and uh, even though she knows how to time travel, she doesn't know where she's going to go when she time travels. So the speculation has it that Boo is the one planting the Easter eggs in all the Pixar movies because she's been accidentally going through the different time periods. So she puts the Easter egg there, I guess, so that she knows that she's been there before. Right. So, yeah, that's that's the <laughs> initial theory from 2013. There's a lot. There's a lot in here. Yeah. And that that was the spark notes of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's actually... A, a book that's been released by John Negroni that takes into account this overarching theory. This is called the Pixar theory, but there's a longer name of it as well. It's the grand unifying theory of Pixar movies. The grand unifying, yeah, because I mean, it, it it essentially unifies all the Pixar movies together, right? Yeah. So yeah, um, 
what what do you what do you think in this in this initial theory do you see a do you see a lot of of holes or do you do you see it like really unifying it what do you think Risa? honestly um i see both okay. i think it's a really really creative theory it clearly took a lot of thought and a lot of effort to link these things but with such big time jumps between just Brave and the Incredibles itself and then jumping from like cars all the way to Wally. That's that's a big jump, you know? There's a lot of time missing. So it's interesting to see how the theory evolved as more movies were released. I don't know if it hurts it or if it helps it, but yeah, it there's a lot of time gaps in this theory. Yeah, it does. It does seem like you know, like they're jumping big periods of time there, right? What, what, what do you think, Nelson? You, do you see, like, what Rissa was saying, or do you see something else? Like, it's is it is it more is it really unifying to you, or you know, do you see a lot of holes and stuff? Well, in all honesty, I just find it super interesting how the original author here was able to find the like most mundane details and just started trying to connect all these you know separate movies so I, I i find it super interesting and i mean it's a it's a like he gives pretty compelling reasons and like or his own reasoning for each of the events here yeah i mean it's it's a definitely a fun re uh, theory just to read through it's a bit of a stretch because like i was saying i'm just trying to connect using the most mundane details here and there but yeah it's definitely an interesting read yeah, I'd, I have to agree with you guys there. It's it's very inventive. And, you know, even being able to write a book about this whole theory, it's just like, wow, that's um, that's pretty impressive. And the fact that, you know, he was he was able to get people to talk about it. Right. I mean, we're talking about it right now. And he came and this theory was come up with in 2013. So, um, I mean, he even went on a, a, a video with screen junkies and fandom uh, to talk about the unifying theory. So it's like, you know, it's it's gotten people's attention, right? I mean, it's not only the, like, different media outlets that have talked about this. It's actual directors have talked about this. Yeah, Pixar themselves, yeah. Yeah, which which we're going to talk about later on in, a, in, in this uh, series here. Because it's such a crazy, out-of-the-box kind of thinking that it kind of makes me appreciate the different movies a little bit more i might actually try to go and watch cars 2 now just because of how pivotal it is in this theory because if you if, say you remove cars 2 from it then you don't have that piece of information that it's still the earth you know because in cars 2 they're traveling to different parts of the uh, of the world um whereas in cars it's just one section that you can say okay it's route 66 but this could be an alternate timeline or an alternate universe, you know, rather than the actual Earth that's considered in this theory. Yeah, I mean, going back to Cars 2, the thing that I took out of it was that, you know, they ended up wiping themselves out because of the antagonist in that movie. And so it's, it becomes pivotal. And I'm just like, wow, well, you know, without Cars 2, then you don't you should still see cars roaming around the earth in wall-e right so yeah and then you also look at monsters monsters inc and the car isn't like the car in cars right right, right. It's, it's an actual behemoth car that that the monsters made 
exactly so it's like so then what happened to all the cars right right so yeah it's, it's super interesting and then another thing that I, I i always find interesting is so i i watched the bug's life recently and i was like why do the ants only have four limbs right, right. they're supposed right. to be insects yeah. right you know so and then they have human-like characteristics because they're walking on two of their limbs and then mm-hmm. they're using the others as arms right so it's just right. like you know this theory kind of like explains that like they have ants who act like humans <laughs> The Finding Nemo is an interesting part in this as well because of the way that they act. They're they're very humanistic in their characteristics rather than acting like normal um, fish. Like Marlin himself, like he is not acting like a clownfish would normally act in the ocean. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's super interesting uh, seeing what what he comes up with here, like connecting up to Toy Story. I mean. I know they had a little um, Easter egg with Carl and Ellie writing to to Andy, but just connecting those two together, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah, that, really cool, really cool, um, everything that they have in here. So anything you want to add to this, Rissa, before we you know, close the episode? Yeah, so there's um, a website that John Negroni has. Uh, there's an interactive website that you can take a look at. It's called pixartheory.com. It lays out the movies as normal release date. And then if you click on the enter the Pixar universe, it shifts it into this really cool timeline. And I think there's about 16 slides that you can go through and click through the evidence for each screenshot. It shows you all the, basically the spark notes of this theory if you don't have the time to go and read the book. Because the book is actually out of print. So if you are a collector of books and you're searching for it, you can probably find it on eBay or from other Disney sources. But his original book is out of print right now. He has a website himself as well, johnnegroni.com. It contains all of his Pixar theories, all other theories, and different podcasts and videos and editorials that he's been a part of. So go ahead and check that out. Support John Negroni especially while we're in quarantine because it, it's he has some interesting reads out there definitely how about you nelson do you want, do you want to say something for in closing here yeah guys so i mean this was honestly like earlier today was my first real read through on um this original pixar theory and holy cow <laughs> it is packed it's actually quite detailed and yeah. um it's like I was been saying, it's definitely a quite interesting read. So I highly encourage you guys if you I'm pretty sure you've at least heard the term Pixar theory. I'm pretty sure it's a pretty big thing within all the in the Disney universe even. So, yeah, all the Disney's probably this is nothing new per se. But, um, yeah, if um, you haven't actually had a chance to read it fully or even like what we were saying, the spark notes. Yeah, I definitely also highly recommend you know, checking it out. It's a, uh, <laughs> I keep saying it, but yeah, it's definitely a, quite an interesting read. Yeah, and we actually haven't scratched. We just scratched the surface. It's not even the in-depth detail that that these the website goes into and the the book goes into. So definitely check it out. There's a lot more evidence for his theory in there. He's also refined it a lot on the website. 
since the commenters have poked holes in into his his theory and and more movies have been released so check it out yeah so the thing that I, that I saw that kind of was a a big plot hole for me it has to do with boo since she's the one that connects everything you know i remember at the end of monsters inc there was one piece missing from the door and mike had it and he gave it to sully and then sully put it back in the door and the door lit up so i'm just wondering how was she not able to see sully again if he's using the door to see her right so that's my my take on it do you guys have any anything any thoughts on that what do you think rissa wait what do you mean do you remember at the end of monsters inc when, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sully had been trying to put Duke Boo's door back together and he was missing one piece. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a little piece of wood. And then Mike gave it to him. And then Sully put the little piece back into the door. And then the, the, the light, the red light went on. And so he opened the door. And so I'm assuming he went in through the door. And then so that means he would have seen Boo, correct? You know, so Ooh. wouldn't that put the biggest hole, plot hole into the, you know, into this Pixar theory? Not necessarily, because we don't actually know how long it's been since um, Mike gave him that that door piece. So she could have moved, or it could have been a different person's door or something. I mean, it could. It's could. St- yeah, I mean, it could still possibly be her house. The scene looked like it was Boo's room, but for all we know, they could have moved out, or Boo could have grown up already and moved out of of the house and and already left to search for my uh for for Sully. Okay. Well, that'll explain it. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, there's a lot there's a lot to this uh to this theory. So, you know, everybody if you want to check it out, uh go to the resources that Risa listed uh, johnnegroni.com or the pixartheory.com. So, yeah, there's a lot in there and you know, you guys can Check it out and try to unpack everything. And we are going to have a series on this because there are obviously more Pixar movies since 2013. Uh, and, you know, he's John Negroni will try to explain in further in how those integrate. So we're going to go over those as well. All right. You want to say something to our listeners in closing or something? Yeah. Thanks for joining us on, on our journey through the Pixar theory. This is a lot to unpack. So sorry if this episode is a little short, just because we're trying to condense as much information as possible into it. But I hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to our thoughts on the on the original 2013 theory. And I hope you continue to stay safe and please continue to support us. And Nelson, anything you want to say to our listeners in closing? Yeah, thanks guys for joining us this week. Um, I also agree that yes, this is there's a lot to unpack here, and yeah, we wanted to break it up just to make sure that we cover as much as we can in a tangible and in like you know in small bits, so <laughs> we're not overwhelming you with everything. I know we probably seemed like we we're rushing or at least going through the entire original Pixar theory really quickly, but I mean there was a lot to go over, so. Yeah, thanks guys for um, bearing with us. But um, yeah, there's still more movies to uh, include and that'll be in our upcoming episode. So stay tuned for that. So yeah, uh, I'd also like to thank all the listeners for tuning in and sticking in with us for 80 episodes since this is episode 80. Stay tuned for the the next two episodes that we're going to come out with. They're going to be 
going more into detail on what's coming up for the, the rest of the Pixar theory since there's more movies since 2013. So yeah, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and listening to the Disney Time podcast. And on behalf of the other two, I'd like to say, keep your watches synced to Disney Time. See ya. Bye. Later.